Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? And Derek, we are back with our friends over at Big Ditch. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and potentially a title? Because I, I know you wear a lot of hats. Sure. Uh, Matt Kahn, president and co-founder of Big Ditch Brewing Company. Love it. Yeah, president and co-founder. That's my official title, yes. President and co-founder. How did that whole thing start for you then? Because Big Ditch in Buffalo is a, it's an OG. It's a big story. Yeah. It, you know, like... Uh, I guess I still don't feel like an OG, <laughs> but you know, it's getting there. We've been open for eight, over eight years already. So how did the whole thing start? So uh, I've told the story just so many times, but it's a story <laughs> I love to tell. So back in um, 2011, myself and my partner, who is our um, head brewer and our, also our co-owner, we were both working in a biotech and pharmaceutical company. So we were like, my little stupid joke is making drugs and making beer pretty similar actually. <laughs> But that's what we were doing. We were making like, you know, biotech pharmaceutical materials. And we were both actually working in a lab. And um, he or like he, he would take like raw materials and like they'd become in a food grade bucket and like dump them into batches to make stuff or mm -hmm. whatever. And then throw away the bucket. Well, Corey is like a very resourceful. He's like he can really fix anything in our brewery he's sort of like our facilities manager right now but any and he was he's always been like that but even back then he was like hey looking at this food grade bucket he's like i bet i can make a fermenter out of this so this is february of 2011 and my immediate reaction was like well look i mean i i, I could go down the street and buy 500 kinds of beer why, why are we going to waste our time making beer that was my immediate reaction sure. but then thinking about it overnight Back in 2011, there were only like three breweries in Buffalo. Um, and, but I know that craft beer was growing like crazy. And I'd always loved craft beer. And, and more so than that, like we both wanted to open our own business. We'd always wanted to be entrepreneurs. My dad actually owned his own like um, promotional products sales business. So like that night I was like, hey, maybe we could like, like I texted him like, maybe we could open a brewery. And came in the next day and we just started like writing down ideas for recipes on like an index card. We had never made beer before. So we weren't like guys that um, had homebrewed for 20 years and sure. were like, I'm, you know, I'm quitting my crappy job and finally doing what I always wanted to do. This was sort of like, hey, there's an opportunity here. It just came to us. Let's give it a try. And so we wrote down a few recipes on an index card, some of which we wound up actually making and, you know, commercializing or whatever. And then like that weekend, we just started learning to brew from scratch. Um, and then it took really three and a half years from that moment and the bucket and the, you know, the index card <laughs> to actually opening the brewery, which we, uh, we opened in October 2014. It's been eight years since. So, yeah, I mean, well, it was fairly early on, I guess. We were one of the first breweries open in Buffalo compared yeah. to what there is right now. So. How did you even know what to write on an index card, though, if you never brewed before? Uh, well, I mean, like we still liked craft beer, sure. so but I think in the like our ideas in the early days were um, a like sort of have something for everybody first. So you know, what are the styles that we feel like, like Buffalonians would most appreciate, and b wanting to do something a little different. So the first part of that was like we wanted to make something light and drinkable, um, an easy transition from you know blue or whatever it was then. Um, and then something like dark and then something hoppy. Mm -hmm. But then also like one of the earliest recipes was a, a beer, like really our, what's been our most successful seasonal is um, the cinnamon apple amber ale. So we were like, hey, that's 
Nobody, you know, there's so many pumpkin beers. Let's try something different. Apple's the state fruit of New York. And so that was one of the first recipes we sort of like thought about is let's try to make a beer with apples. Wow. Um, so that was like something completely different. Again, we never brewed it for who knows who knew what we were doing. Even back then, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but, uh, you know, that was sort of the initial ideas, you know, and it took like many revisions of this to do it to do it right. So because of that initial thought about opening a brewery, we weren't like, let's brew 400 different kinds of beer. Every time we brew, we're going to brew something new. That wasn't actually our thought. We were like, let's try to get better at everything we do. So the first batches were like, yeah, they're okay. But you know, what did we do wrong? What would we do better? I remember the first batch of the apple beer. Corey was like, no, we're not doing this again. <laughs> like, this is not good. I'm like, no, we can fix this. And actually, like I said, it went up being our most like popular seasonal we've ever done. What did it taste like at first? Too oh, cinnamony? Oh, God. Oh, what did it first taste like? <laughs> um, like everything I think was too bitter for yeah. sure. You know, um, everything was probably like pretty oxidized. Sure. I remember, <laughs> that's funny. So we started brewing in February, right? So like you need to, to brew beer, you need to um, chill the wort. You boil the wort and you chill it. And the faster you chill it, like the better the quality of the beer is going to be. So the first day we go brew, like, we didn't have a chiller, so we just like sat it in a pile of snow, and like that, it, that is not an efficient way to chill beer. It still took hours. So like we went and got tacos, and we're like we bought another, <laughs> we, we just broke up with another six pack. Like it goes like hours to get this beer to chill. Like you know there were all sorts of problems back then of things we didn't know what to do. That made the beer not very good. But then we started adding on. Okay, we better get better at chilling. So we go about a little copper chiller or whatever it was we added little tools to our arsenal and you know we got better and better at what we were doing so are you born and raised in buffalo i am not originally i grew up in new york city grew up in queens um went to ub for school um i met my future wife there who grew up in buffalo as well we bounced around the east coast a little bit and then after starting a family like i was living in boston before i moved back to buffalo and um i moved back in 2006 um, had a daughter. We were living in Boston, like a uh, apartment, you know, smaller than this little room we're sitting in right now. And it's like, hey, you know, like we're ready to start a family and settle down a little bit. She's, you know, she still had her family living here, so we moved to Buffalo. Um, wow. And, you know, went from there. What about Corey? Corey is from Buffalo. Okay. His, yeah, his his family is from Buffalo. Um, so he's, you know, he's he's been around for he's been around longer than I have. So. so- yeah, because I was curious about when you were doing the initial like analysis of what Buffalo has, doesn't have. I didn't know how that kind of worked out between you two. Like, was it you've seen things from an outside perspective or he was kind of leading that ship and saying, no, man, like this has never been here. Yeah. Type thing. Like, how was that initial conversation? Like you're talking about like beers to make or just the fact that the Buffalo needed a brewery? Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, I think it was I think it came from both. I mean. Just living in Boston or growing up in New York, like I'd seen, you know, there was more of a beer scene happening in those cities than there were um, in Buffalo at right. the time. So, um, you know, I feel like my education with beer had been going on for years, really, from other places. But core knowing Buffalo, sort of thinking, hey, here's the potential, knowing that, you know, Buffalo is a beer drinking town. I mean, that's not <laughs> like our crazy you know revolutionary you know idea right there but still it was like there's more room we can we could put a brewery here and still do well sure so i think it was both of us you know where did the name come from big ditch brewing company so 
Well, first, the we did not want to name the brewery something like Buffalo something. We were like, that's just a little too, I don't know, easy or obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to go a little bit outside the box and, and think about something that meant something to our history um, more so than just Buffalo something. Um, and like unintentionally, even thinking about it at that time, what we want to picking one of being sort of a regional idea and not just the local one. So that gives the ability to actually expand a little bit outside of our you know immediate neighborhood. So sure. that's cool. But so we're you know we started just diving into Buffalo's history a little bit about you know what are some things that really made Buffalo Buffalo. Explored a few different ideas, and we actually like <laughs> you, you might even be able to find it if you go far enough back at our Facebook like timeline like there was probably an early poll that was like hey what do you think of some of these names for our brewery we didn't even really have one yet oh okay um and i think there were we put up a poll and i think there were like seven people that voted for big ditch which was the best you know winning (laughs) name right there so um so like it was a name that we liked and we actually asked people what do you guys think and that was and that was that was a name we wound up going with but then exploring and learning the history like um so many great stories you know from that time and Again, the, you know, the Erie Canal and, and, and Big Ditch, which is, you know, for those who don't know, that's that's the reference really there. It's, nobody ever thought it would ever get filled with water, but wound up transforming Buffalo and the rest of New York State. Um, you know, it's truly a, uh, an amazing project and something that made Buffalo Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So, that, that, you know, it's a, it's a good name. How long did you and Corey know each other at the pharmaceutical company before you decided to go into business together? Right. So I went to go work there in 2006 when I'd first moved back here and Corey wound up um, coming aboard in 2007. Um, I actually like trained Corey a little bit. And like at the time, so Corey was really like, here's the dynamic of me and Corey. So um, Corey's the hands-on guy. Like he gets in there and gets gets dirty. And there's actually another story about that relating to beer. I could probably share with you about (laughs) that is how our different approaches. But um so Corey was like a basically a manufacturing uh, operator. He he worked in the like a clean room. He for like five years he was doing all the aseptic filling. He wound up working in the chemistry department, making batches of stuff. I was the engineer. I had an engineering degree. So me and him worked together. He'd be like, "This is broken. Help me fix it." You know this sort of thing. Um, so we met in 2007, and then actually I partially kind of got Corey a job. I like interviewed him, and then sort of recommended him to work in the this like pilot plant. Um, lab that we were working in. So we were working side by side every day for like two years, even before we had this mm. uh, idea. That's wild. So you're, he's more of the hands-on guy. Is that why he transitioned to being the actual brewer? Right. So, okay. so here's the little story about that. So we have the index cards and we're like, let's go make beer. And then like on, fr- on like that's on a Tuesday or whatever it is. And, you know, and then on Friday, he's like, I'm going to go to the, you know, to Niagara Tradition, which is, you know, fantastic homebrew store in the area and go buy our ingredients for making something. I'm like, OK, cool. I'll come with you. We don't know what the hell we're doing. I don't know. We go over there. And then like on Sunday, uh, he's like calling me from his. He's like, OK, so I just started making beer and I don't know what to do next. Now, I'm like <laughs> I'm reading how to brew. I'm in chapter like four at this point, And I'm like, I haven't even got up to that section yet. I'm like, you, I didn't know you started already. So he's the guy that's like, he's just going to jump in and kind of like 
maybe he'll figure it out or maybe he screws it up, but that's how he learns. Where I'm like, I'm going to read the book and read read the whole thing and understand it before I even do anything. Does this dynamic sound familiar at all? Shut up, Derek. <laughs> maybe this dynamic is common in all like great partnerships. I don't know. Someone's jumping in and someone's planning yep. and they work together and that's the dynamic really we have. So... So I run over there on a Saturday afternoon and we're like, we were running out to go find like a spaghetti strainer so we could separate the, um, <laughs> oh you know, like the, the work the from the, strainer. oh yeah, we're like, we, I'm like, do you even, he didn't even have like a colander in his house. So I'm like, we got to go buy one of these at least. So we're doing that, like whatever. That was, you know, it didn't turn out great again, but that was, you know, him, him learning a little bit and then me learning as well. So, yeah. I love that. So you, you go through those growing pains <laughs> and then you get to a point where you're like, hey, we need a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Yeah. What was that whole conversation? Well, so, I mean, that wasn't a conversation. That was a process. So, the, 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 you know, I mean, it wasn't just like, let's go get a building. So, so we have this idea of making beer. And then so we spent six months just um, you know, like trying to learn how to make beer. And then after, so this is, you know, from February 2011 for the next six months, whatever. So then we're like, you know what? Let's like give it to our friends and family see if they like it and see if, you know, we're onto something here now. So we had a party. This is actually in Corey's like parents house. They had a nice place we could do this. And when they, we got everybody some food and we served a bunch of our beer and we had like 30 to 40 people maybe come for this thing. And we had them like rate the beer and little cards, you know, tell us what you think of it. Which was your favorite? What didn't you like? That sort of thing. Now, of course they loved it, but like these are all friends and family. Of course, you're giving them free beer sure. and free food. Of course, they're going to love it. So this wasn't super objective. But we, we, we took that and we were encouraged by that. We felt we were like on to something. Um, and then after that, I spent, this was mostly me, the analytical side and of, of what we're doing, um, writing a business plan. And the purpose of that was like before I jump into this, I mean, we had jobs at like a pretty good, mm -hmm. you know, corporates, you know, corporate jobs, corporate company. And we, Safe you know, job, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I have a family, I have kids. So I'm like, I'm not jumping out of this without getting an idea of what the really the risk is, right? So I spent like six months writing a business plan, um, even work with like local SBA to get some feedback on that, put together a financial model. And I was like, yeah, like, I think this could actually work. And then after that, we spent a year with that business plan trying to find someone that would help us because we, we didn't have that much money, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so we went up there sort of looking for business partners, um, say, hey, we've got a vision, we've got the talent to do this, but we need some help from the, you know, with the financial, from the financial side. And um, during that whole process, you know, we met a couple of business partners, we found this building, um, and then that's really when it actually really started, you know, but that took a year just to get from there to there. And during that year, like we would do anything. So in the early days, like we'd show up with, we'd make shirts and just show up to festivals. We'd be like, we don't have beer. We have shirts. And people are like, who the hell are these guys? Like <laughs> shelling up the festival, selling shirts. Like, are they ever going to open? But it was just getting our name out there, trying to raise a little money, that sort of thing. We would do anything. We did tastings at a bunch of places around town just to like free beer, get your name out there, that kind of thing. And like, all that stuff kind of worked because by the time we were ready to open, like people had sort of heard of us and were sort of looking forward to seeing if we were for real or we were, you know, just kind of BS. Sure. So. What, <clears throat> excuse me, what was the year timeframe of that? Like just handing out t-shirts. How, how long was that going on for? Well, what, what was the year range that that was occurring? 2000, 
It was oh, probably let's 12 see, or 13. Yeah, 2012, like some of 2012 and probably like all of 2013. Maybe Which, even some of 2014 a little bit. That's crazy because social media basically became a thing in what, like 08-ish? Yeah, yeah. So you're super early on going old school with it because that's where you guys came from. Like you're not, it's so much easier nowadays to get your name out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so... 2012, 2013, 14, I, I felt like, I mean, if we're talking about social media, social media was way easier even back then mm -hmm. to sort of get in front of people, you know, and get a sort of a following. We had, by the time we were open, I think we had something like 12,000 followers, which is like, how'd that happen? Jeez. We had never even sold anything, you know? You could really get your name out there and, and, and do a lot. It's a lot more sort of locked down there, but that's what we were doing. It's just all word of mouth stuff, um, you know, hand to hand sort of thing just you know meeting people having people try things getting feedback and you know that's 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 kind of how it went but you know would you do that around your work schedules yes yes so um what was that grind like yeah i mean i didn't um i didn't like quit my job until um july 4th of 2014 and we had brewed the then we went to brewing the first batch in august good so, way to celebrate independence there, right there. exactly about. exactly I, rem <laughs> I remember it yeah i remember like leaving the job and like like having that sort of weekend off and that right after that i you know getting right into it actually even this is again a little funny story <laughs> is we they had like a goodbye mat party for my at my old job on like a friday and i got called this is again how this is how cool this was i got called from i don't know some local tv station like hey we want to do a story about your new place opening and we want to do it tonight and I'm like, fine. So I actually left. I didn't even go to my farewell party. I left my old job to put a box in my car and drove to right to my new job and started work basically that night. So like there was no, you know, there was no like brief period of really getting ready for this. But I remember that weekend sort of being like, okay, like here it goes. And then I spent the month after that, month and a half after that, just trying to get the new brewer open with Corey. So, um, yeah. So you, you leave your job, you take this, you outline all the risks that are present with leaving your safe job and going to the brewery. You have your financial investor, you have the money backing you. What is that first week like when you open? You, you said that you had 12,000 followers before you even really opened the doors, but at, at what point are you sitting here being like, I made the right decision? When did that really oh, happen? God. Oh, how long was it right till now. I decided? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now. On the right, podcast right, right with before, the Buffalo hat. Right, right when I took the sip of this beer, I was like, yes, this is, you know, I'm glad I did this. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question. There, you know, and I, I, I've mentioned this um, to folks all the time. Like, there were actually periods of time, even those first few weeks or months, where I, I went to court and I'm like, I'm not sure, like, how long we're gonna be able to do this for. Like, it was, you know, very slow in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think we made probably like one batch the first two weeks, and I'm like, that's not really enough to like keep this thing going. So I really hope this kind of like picks up. So I, I tell them like, you know, I'm a little nervous right now. Let's, mm -hmm. let's hope this gets better. Um, and then you just stuck with it and things got a little better the month after that. And then we went into the holiday season. It got a little better after that. I think we, um, when we first opened, you know, we were just selling beer out to, for distribution. But right after that, we're like, we should open a little retail spot. So actually we used to serve when we first opened and I'm sort of fond of these days because things were so simple, actually. <laughs> we're working a lot of hours, but still very simple. Is we would sell beer downstairs in what's our office. Uh, we didn't have a tap room or restaurant yet. It was all in construction. 
And we just let people come in with a little four tap cooler there. We give them free samples of anything they wanted. And we'd like sell growlers, like very little money, but just Mm -hmm. trying to sample it. And I think that even sort of helped to like get the beer out there a little bit. And we saw things grow after that, you know, so and brought a little bit of retail money coming in the door, kept us going. Sure. So I still didn't really answer your question there, but it was like a, you know, it was it was a little while. I mean, certainly a few months after we opened, we're like maybe this can really be something. Yeah. But, you know, you have a small business. There's always challenges. The taproom opens and then. That's a whole new thing after that, trying to figure that out. Right. And that took a while to sort of make sure, you know, to have that make sense. So um, when did when did Big Ditch really become like a household name? Was it a beer that took off? Because I know Hayburner is like your your key beer. Was it that beer that kind of put you up into this pedestal or was it something else? Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. like, it's funny you asking that, like, is Hayburner, is Big Ditch a household name? Like, I, I don't know. I guess I don't think about it like that, but... You know, there was a moment where, and I remember this too, I was on a rare vacation with my family. You know, I take like a week off a year, try to get away or whatever. We actually took the kids to Disney. We're in Disney. And I got a call from our sales manager. He's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that we just got some information. Like, Hayburner is like number one in, you know, in, in, in our supermarkets right now. Best-selling craft beer in Western New York supermarkets. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't never imagine that would happen. Mm-hmm. So, but that was 2017, 2018 even. Sure. It took years for that to even still to happen. So that's when I started thinking, geez, like, we really did something amazing here. That was way above my expectation. I was just hoping to kind of make good beer and do things a little different than everybody else. I mm-hmm. certainly never thought that it would be like maybe the best-selling craft beer in Western New York, but it was definitely Hayburner. Hayburner is by far our best-selling beer. It's about 70 to 75% of what we make. Uh, we talk about it all the time. It's the beer that everybody asks for. We've even tried to be like, hey, maybe Lowbridge might work well at your little bar or restaurant, and they'll, they'll do that for a week. They're like, no, give me back the Hayburner. Like, we can't switch people even off yeah. of Hayburner. So. For the people that never had it, can you describe what Hayburner is? Hayburner, right. So Hayburners are flagship American IPA. When we opened, we had three beers. We had um, Lowbridge, which was a golden ale. That was the light, drinkable beer. We had Excavator, which was a brown ale made with rye. That was the dark beer. And then Hayburner was the third one, the hoppy IPA. Um, you know, at the very beginning, we still didn't really know which one would be the most successful, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny looking back on it. Um, but, uh, we brewed Hayburner to be, um, like very drinkable and still a pretty good ABV. So it's 7.2%, um, but it's not very malty and sweet. It, it, it never was very, very bitter. Nowadays, it's probably more bitter than a lot of other like New England style mm-hmm. IPAs that are out there, but never really, really bitter. And also, like from just the brewing process, the alcohol in that is hidden pretty well. It doesn't taste alcoholic. So, and the, the body's like a little bit lighter, actually. So, it's not very sweet. It's not very bitter. A lot of hot flavor, a little bit lighter body. Seems very drinkable. And so, I think that gave it like a, there's some sort of magic to it where people sort of felt they could drink more than they actually could. Sure. <laughs> um, and just that made it really... Um, really, really popular. It just took off like really quickly from there. So, um, yeah, but still by far our most popular beer. So Lowbridge, Hayburner, and Excavator. <clears throat> it's interesting to talk to breweries that started kind of before the whole boom because there's craft beer and then there's like craft beer where they're bringing out like Cheerio Sour. And it's like these crazy flavors that didn't, I don't want to say they didn't exist back then, but they weren't as mainstream. So 
when you started, was that like the idea is let's bring staple style beers here to start to see if they catch on? Yeah, I mean, we definitely weren't like, we didn't come out the gate being like, we want to brew like the craziest thing we can mm-hmm. possibly brew. Um, we weren't afraid of inventing something new and doing something different, but we definitely weren't trying to brew really crazy styles. We just wanted to, um, you know, brew some things that people hadn't typically done and just do them really well. Sure. But then again, like that cinnamon apple ale, which I, I brought up again, like that has cinnamon, brown sugar, oatmeal, allspice, um, and then like New York State apple cider in it. So that's a lot of like adjuncts. Sure. Fruited beer. Not a, it wasn't a sour. Like sours weren't really a thing yet back then. So we weren't afraid to do to do stuff like that. But even when our tap room opened, like we had the three staples. I think we had that apple beer, but we had like a black IPA. We had like a hoppy red ale, like a, like a smoked porter. It wasn't anything super crazy. We, we had a Belgian like uh, golden strong ale on. Mm. There wasn't anything really, really crazy with a lot of crazy ingredients sure. um, even back then. That over time, we did more and more stuff like that. What is your reach now? Like territory basis, yeah. yeah. Like so, how far? Like how far can you guys touch? Yeah. Um, so, like from a sales perspective, I guess our goal was always sort of to be like, let's go deep and not long, um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, freshness. You know, freshness is just super important to us. Like, you know, I think maybe we've all been there where you, you buy that beer off the shelf and it's like. You know, you know right away that it's old. Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there for a while. You're not happy with the brewery and, you know, the beer or whatever. And so we really work hard to keep our stuff fresh. So because of that, we've kept it pretty close. Uh, and the second thing is, I mean, the further away you go, the less relevant you are. So mm-hmm. um, we're like, let's sell as much beer as we can close to us. So we're really only distributed in New York State right now. Up until like a year ago, we are really only pretty much in Buffalo and Rochester and maybe some of the surrounding counties. Now, over the past year, we've expanded a little bit into Syracuse. We're definitely doing more there and Albany. But we still can't buy our beer down in New York City yet, and you definitely can't buy it out of state. So maybe at one point we'll do that, but we'll take it as far as we can until, you know, no one really cares about us anymore, you know? I mean, we'll we'll sell as much beer as we can in New York State. That's kind of what we're trying to do. Uh, How are you doing in the Southern Tier? Um, Pretty well. Um, we've, We've been selling beer there for again, for years. And it's been one of those things, again, that's grown as time has gone on. So like, I mean, probably not as well as, you know, Southern tier, but uh, we we do pretty well there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I got you. It's just, it's interesting because when you're in places like Olean, they have four mile brewing and then, um, you know, Southern tier and uh, Southern tier distilling is all down there. And I mean, it's like they have a compound, but it's interesting too, because when you talk to locals and then you bring up different breweries from the city, Right. It's like, wow, that's such an interesting dynamic. You're like, dude, it's a 40 minute drive. Yeah. But to them, it's like this, it's this unicorn. Yep. And yep. it's, it's basically their New York city. And it's just really cool to hear that distinction. And they're like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's up there. It's like, <clears throat> wow, that's wild. Especially when you're from here, you know what yep. I mean? Like it's yep. just such a different dynamic. So that's why I asked. It is. Cause <laughs> no, especially like, you know, I grew up in New York city. Right. So like an hour travel anywhere was really no big deal yeah, when like I was, when you. I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I used to, I mean, I used to take the train 45 minutes to school every day when I was in high school. Um, and not, I don't think I had many friends that didn't live, you know, like much closer than an hour from <laughs> right. me. It was always like a travel. So it's kind of funny in Western New York. That's the way it is. But, uh, but still, you know, like, 
it's it's not that far, so people do no. get out here, yeah. and you know we, we we do pretty well in terms of sales there. That's awesome. So yeah. you have your bottle shop or your kind of storefront that you're doing the taps out of with the growler, and then you open up your tasting room. At what point did your restaurant come? Because I, I think that. When you look at Big Ditch, it's not just a brewery anymore. It's kind of more of like a restaurant-brewery combo. Because your, your dishes are more elegant than what you normally find at a normal brewery. So can you talk us through that whole process? Food here is so good, dude. It is fantastic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's funny about that. So, yeah, I mean, from, from the moment that we opened the, our tap room, there we were serving food. Um, There's laws for that, right? Like, don't you have? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. To. There, there were actually back then it's a little different now because you've got like farm breweries and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the rules have um, loosened up a little bit but back then it was sort of like if you wanted to serve beer by the pint you had to serve food okay so we already knew we had to serve food and then um you know this building was kind of like we could have done anything with it but it was available so really we kind of took the space that we had and had this idea about doing food and we're like okay let's you know, it's going to want to be a restaurant, you know. And, you know, one thing about this location is that I knew that the medical campus was getting built and expanding. I'm like, you got, I don't know how many thousands of people, 15,000 people a mile away. That was a good sign. Mm-hmm. And then we saw um, Tapo, which is right across the streets, had, had just announced they were opening. I'm like, okay, there's people like coming here. This little corridor here maybe could be a thing. So that gave us sort of the confidence to like, take over a little more space and try to do like a food concept. But sure. still for me in the early days of like, I just want the food to be good enough to keep people in their seats, sort of drinking the beer. There wasn't a very high expectation of, in my mind of what I wanted the food to be. Um, but I think when you looked at the space that we had and sort of how things went and just like, you know, I, we had a little bit of interest and in buzz. We got, you know, some, uh, some really qualified people wanted to work for us. So um, our original GM, John, you know, he had had 20 years of experience in uh, background restaurants. Our original um, kitchen manager, Mike, or chef, um, same thing. And, like, they put together a concept that, like, was certainly exceeded our expectations. Mm-hmm. From the very moment I tasted the food, I'm like, this is actually going to be way better than I ever thought it was. Like, these guys are working hard to create something interesting. Um and that's what they did, I think. And I think also at that time, there, you know, maybe wasn't a high expectation with the kind of food you can get from a brewery. So people didn't think of like even treating this place as a place to go for dinner. Mm-hmm. But it certainly grew into that. And we sure. kept sort of investing in that. And we did more with the food and we do beer dinners and we were, you know, trying to pair things and um, continually tweaking that. And I think the food program just got better and better and better here. Um, the other thing that was interesting, because we have such a, a pretty large space, is we had requests for private events before we were even open. I mean, we did a wedding here before we were open. which like is an actual an, wedding? An actual wedding. The ceremony and the reception in this building. They looked at the place <laughs> when it was a pile of rubble, and they're like, we'll take it, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> like, so, like It was amazing that they, they could do that. So we had 
um, our like interest in private events even before we were open. And with those private events, you're going to have to do food, right? Mm-hmm. So that also um, you know made us staff the kitchen a certain way and make sure the food is a certain quality. You're doing a wedding, like it can't be crap. It's and the be size of the kitchen too, right? Like, is your kitchen large? It's funny. Again, another thing is like from the from, like the kitchen was built to a pretty good size, but. You know, in, in all truthfulness, like the amount of business we do in our tap room is about four times what we thought it was going to be when we first built it. Sure. So it's a decent sized kitchen, but was, was pretty quickly we learned it was undersized. Mm-hmm. We did about um, two, a year and a half into it, two years into it. We expanded the kitchen a little bit, built a bigger cooler, um, added like a couple more fryers, um, little prep station and office back there. Um, so... I don't like for what we do, it's probably we get by, Mm -hmm. but like it's I wouldn't say like it's a large kitchen for what we do. We could definitely use some more space, Um, but we we, we, we do pretty well with it. That's for sure. You mentioned two things in that answer, which I found super interesting. The first was you wanted the food good enough to keep people in their seats. And it reminded me of the old school bar motto and like how VFWs go about it, where it's like beers priority so like eat some pretzels like keep the salt down and then that'll make you thirsty so i just i snickered at that but the second thing you said that i found interesting was you mentioned the medical campus you knew was coming in and then you saw tapo open is there a thing where when you're a business owner in the city of buffalo when you do like a market analysis can you ask or lean on the city and say like what the hell is going on around us? Like, can you ask that question to see what's in the pipeline? What, like, are there other permits pulled to, so that you can kind of strategically position yourself based off of what you know is going to happen in the future? Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think like, well, again, like I said, we, we touch base with our local SBA to try to get some feedback on like business plan and, and, you know, how things would work. We, we didn't like really consult with the city too much in terms of like, do you think, is, is there gonna be more development here? What's being done to you know improve downtown? Mm-hmm. So like, it wasn't all that detailed or structured. Um, I, I should add too that uh, one of our partners is um, Paul Escalo, he owns Escalo Development. So he had actually owned this building um, before we moved into it. So we had a developer working with us and, you know, he was sort of seeing downtown growing as well, too, and thought, again, that there could be some uh, potential around this sort of elegant corridor. So we had a little bit of help, uh, well, maybe a lot of help in, in that regard as well, too. Understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many taps do you have downstairs? We have um, four, bar, well, four, four tap towers, let's say, with 12 taps. Um, downstairs at the main bar, because we have two for 12, so we could do as many as 24 different beers. We never do that many. We're usually keeping it because I, I like to, again, keep things fresh mm-hmm. and new. You know, we're hoping that if someone comes a big ditch, every time they come, they could try something different. Sure. So we're trying to keep things moving. So it's usually tapless is around 12, maybe gets as high as 14, 15, as low as maybe eight or 10, but usually around 12. Do you have, do you do anything with like hard alcohol, like liquor and anything like that? Yep, yep. There's another thing that we, um, <laughs> right, right from the beginning, we were doing the math around it and like to do a liquor license. I mean, liquor, liquor licenses aren't cheap. Um, for every bar, you need a, you need a liquor license. Mm-hmm. So we were doing the math even early. Like, I wonder if like we're going to make back our investment in this liquor license. 
And very quickly, we learned that we would. So, uh, I mean, it was like maybe a week or, or a month or something that we, we, we made that investment back into the, to the license. So, you know, like, why did we do that? I think we were like, look, I mean, we want to make this a place for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a big group coming here and six people like beer and one person doesn't or maybe can't drink beer. They have some options. So we had like cider on from the beginning, a few wines and liquor. And that program has definitely grown um, over time. So you can come to Big Ditch and you, if you don't like beer, you still got food, you've got wine, you've got liquor, we've got cocktails, um, custom cocktails, all sorts of stuff you can find. Um, so I guess that, you know, again, leans a little more into the restaurant thing, but it's just like, you know, you own a business, you want to be, give something to everybody, you know, I'm not sure. trying to really exclude anybody. Um, if you want to come here and enjoy it and you don't like beer, we still have something for you. I love that when he was like, we did the math. And I immediately thought of us. We're just yeah. like, you did the math. And I'm leaning over your shoulder like, did you carry the two? Because I don't, I don't know anything about what's going on. Like, I'll just plan. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Well, again, like every, you know, you can step and misstep at any way along this thing. So, like, I mean, you know, probably cost for, we put down for liquor lines, probably 10 grand at the beginning. That's a lot of money. It's absurd. That's a Jeez, lot that's of a money lot. Yeah. for yeah. a new business. And that's not the federal side either. No, that's just, it, that's just yeah. like state, it's, like just your permit to sell liquor. It was, you know, it was, was a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good decision. That's good awesome. Decision. Yeah. Are you, do you get any, like, what are your hours? Are you getting any of like the downtown Chippewa action at all? Or are you closed for Whoa. that? Whoa. More, more good stories. There's so many good <laughs> stories. <laughs> like, everything you say, I'm like, there's a time. I, I mean, which, which again, you started with OG. Like, I'm feeling very old right now because I have a story for everything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're literally about to reference Chippewa. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you're um, so close. So again, early days, 2015 or whatever, 2016, we were open and wanted to be something to everybody. We have liquor. We were serving shots. And very quickly, and like, well, first of all, we weren't open till four. We were like, we'll close at midnight. So like, this isn't, you know, you want to go till four, there's other places you can go, but mm-hmm. we're going to close at midnight. But still like, we're serving shots. So we had folks, you know, sort of wander here and doing shots and like, it, you know, it got messy in the early days, <laughs> I, you know, a, a little bit. I think, I think still like craft beer was new. Uh, newer to Buffalo, so you're like, hey, I can go drink three or four Hayburners. Like, that's, you know, you're going to do that slowly, not mm-hmm. quickly. So, like, we, we after a little bit of that, like, we kind of shut that down. We're like, no, that's not what we're trying to do. There's places for that, but, um, you know, we try to make it a little more family-friendly. You know, come here and have a beer or a few beers, yeah. but, you know, there's other places to go kind of, you know, go get hammered kind of thing, you know. So sure. that's, that's, uh, that, that's kind of where we kind of drew the line. So when you said that you had events here and you had that wedding wanting to come before you even started, which was wild to me. I'm literally <laughs> almost getting married and I'm panicking over the fact that you would look at this and it would be rubble. Yeah, like, I want to get married here. They believed in it, yeah. That's wild. So when did you create these rooms? Because right now we're in the Titanic room. You have the beer room. You have the upstairs. So like, wh- when did that segmentation come in? Right, right. So let me, let me think about that. So um, the building before we moved in, Right now, there's an upstairs and a downstairs, and that was obviously already here. But there Mm -hmm. used to be a ceiling between those two. And our um, developer partner who owns a building cut away that ceiling to open it up. So that was great. And then out of that, we're like, okay, we'll build an upstairs and a downstairs, give you two different perspectives, different place to sit. And like even we thought maybe the upstairs would barely even be used, except for maybe on like a weekend or like... You know, maybe maybe we'll use it on the weekend. Who knows? But we're going to build it out so we can do stuff like that. And again, right away, it was full. 
and they started to get requests for these events. So it wasn't only a few months after that till we actually hired like an events manager to try to do like, like in the beginning I was doing, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I mean, I, I like make sure this is clear. I had no restaurant experience <laughs> whatsoever. Make sure I'm clear. Before we do this. Is yeah. the food yeah. warm? Yeah. Like maybe that's already clear and I'm stating the obvious, like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but I had, I had no restaurant experience. So I was kind of just like, Hey man, whatever works. So like people are like, can you price up this event? I'm like, I don't know how the hell to do this at all. <laughs> yeah. So very quickly we figured out like, okay, we need to hire somebody to do that. And then that actually helped to grow it as well too. So, um, we had the upstairs and then we built out this little room, which just happened to be here and said, Hey, maybe we could turn this in a little thing. And then finally the beer hall was again, like a pile of rubble for like a year. We stuck like a little, you know, our little four tap cooler. We had in the office, we stuck that back there. We still had people doing stuff. And then after doing that, we invested to like upgrade that, build a bar back there, put some bathrooms and put some nice, like a little privacy there. And that helped to grow that as well. So, I mean, again, like, People were asking us before we did it. We weren't like, we're going to be an event space. It's just like, kind of just happened, you know? But uh, it's a big part of what we do. I love having all the events here, and we've, we've done some really amazing events here. So That's got to be really surreal, just sitting here and recounting all this and being like, this happened because people were asking for it before we even offered it. Like, that's just a weird experience that I feel like most business owners don't have the luxury of saying. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's great. B- Buffalo's supports local Mm -hmm. i mean um, i'm sure that's true everywhere to some point but buffalo just supports their own we 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 love things that are buffalo um i always thought again so i didn't grow up here so maybe i'm a little bit of an outsider and i hope this doesn't like offend anybody too much but i always said buffalo is almost like an underdog town you know it's like everybody wants to root for the underdog Mm -hmm. right um you're still seeing that like with almost like with the with the bills right now like we're the favorites for the first time, like, I feel like in a really long time. It's a weird feeling for Buffalo. We're yeah. used to being the underdogs, right? We don't like it either. We so, don't like being the favorites. I know. It's kind of scary. <laughs> You're like, okay, it's not quite comfortable yet, yep. you know? Um, so I, I think when something is positive, then Buffalo builds on that. Um, I, I know that, like, some of the feedback we got right from when our tap room open was, and again, I think people meant that as, as a compliment a little bit, like this doesn't feel like Buffalo a little bit. They, they, they felt it like raised Buffalo up a little bit. And this is sort of the top of the pyramid goals for us is like we wanted people to come here and be like, this is a maybe not just a great place for Buffalo, but maybe almost like a world-class institution, mm-hmm. world-class place to get beer. And you're like, Buffalo is pretty cool, actually. It's got lots of great stuff. And if we could just be a little part of that, we felt we were doing good for Buffalo. So, you know, we you know, try to invest in Buffalo that way. And they invested back in us. So yeah, pretty cool. It's interesting you say that. Cause I remember the first time I came here and I literally looked around and I was like, this is here. That was my exact thought. And I said that out loud and I was just blown away. I was like, wow, this is actually in Buffalo. Cause you don't see it here. Yep. That's also why I love that point of other business owners that are local. They travel and then they bring what they've seen somewhere else to Buffalo just to enhance it. Because the age old saying is that we're five years behind. Yep. with like everything like women yep. here wear uggs men wear cargo shorts <laughs> like that's not that's not anywhere else except in buffalo because we're behind so yep. it's it's an awesome point that you brought that up but it's so true and now because remember back then that whole industrial look like exposed hvac wasn't a thing and then all of a sudden it's like why is that there and it's like 
it's industrial. It's, a, it's <laughs> like okay. Yeah, it's like, like oh, okay. it's rustic. Now it, that now it has to be a thing. Right? Yeah, you go to a brewery, you're going to see that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. now yeah. it's everywhere. It's really cool though um, that you guys like fully embraced something that was uh, essentially progressive at that point because like no one's done that yet. Yeah. Yep. So what now? Like you're you've been here. You guys are savages in the industry. Like you're you're not going anywhere. You you have a good solid foundation. So what are you trying to do moving forward? Right. So our big challenge really, well, let, let, let's let's take it back to like 2019, okay? Our challenge at that time was we were growing really quickly and our brewery um, was really at capacity. So we were finding interest in our beer um, just in between Buffalo and Rochester. Their demand was higher than what we could even make. What's your capacity? So what, what barrel the, system are you? The, at? the capacity. So we have a twenty barrel brewery. That's what we started with. Um, capacity of twenty. Well, no, that. So that's the brewing system. And then I, I sort of think of our capacity. Oh, sorry. Our, I think yeah. of our capacity as sort of like what we can make in the course of a year. So we we oh, wound okay. up going to like a three shift operation brewing five days a week, you know, 24 hours a day to try to max out the Dude, capacity. Oh my God. So yeah, we did that in 2016 when we expanded to Rochester and we're like, okay, we think we're going to need, you know, we're not going to be able to do it on two shifts. Even we need a third shift to do that. We had folks that were you know, nice enough to be able to do that. Like one of our really our R and D brewer now is our R and D manager. He's, he basically started a third shift and worked on that shift for, you know, far too long actually. Um, but our capacity that we can make out of that brewery here is 15,000 barrels. Um, we made like 14,600 or something in 2019. Oh, Jesus. So we got really good at operating, um, you know, with like almost no mistakes. You know, so a lot of training, documentation, super efficiency. I mean, Corey had a, a ton to do with that too. Again, Corey being seen like the operations efficiency expert, run around doing a million things. Um, we just totally nailed it to, to do that. So, um, and then by 2020, we sort of announced the idea to open a new brewery. And we finally in 2022 um, did that. We opened a production brewery um, just a few blocks away from here that gives another 20,000 barrels of production capacity. So now what we're doing is just figuring out how to like, we're, it's, it's brand, everything's brand new for us and just trying to figure out how to maximize that so you know we've got new products we're in new markets and you know, just trying to figure it out so you're going to be brewing in both locations or just over there yep yep now we brew um so we do all of our 12 ounce canning most of our production is 12 ounce cans um so we do all of that there it's a it's, that's a 40 barrel brewery um with like a, a canning line that's about twice as fast as the one we have here and then here we're at, at Huron Street, we're doing all of our basically drafts and also innovation. Mm -hmm. So um, the brewers here are sort of like R&D brewers. They're still brewing hay burner drafts and you know, a couple other little things. But they're tasked with coming up with new and exciting things, beer and even beyond beer. You know, they're, they're, you know let's, tr let's try anything. Any, there's no bad ideas. Let's see if we can develop them, put them out there and see what people think. So that's fun. We had very little time to like just have fun and experiment and try new things being so full of capacity. Mm -hmm. So like now we get to have a little fun with it and try some wild things. We get some time to think. Sure. Um, so that's, that's nice. So I'm just processing this now. You started on a 20 barrel system. That's what, why, like how, because we've talked to so many breweries in the area and all of them are like two barrel, five barrel, seven barrel was the biggest, that, but you started on 20. So yep. being coming from not knowing how to brew beer and going in, 
20 barrels, what was, were you just like, we're going to succeed? There's no he, other option. He had, bro, he had 12,000 followers going in. <laughs> yeah. right? I don't think the 12, I mean, the 12,000 followers didn't tell us how to brew beer. That wasn't like the answer to that. But I don't, I don't, so I don't think that was too related. But I should say, like, again, like, me, me, so me and Corey were working at a pilot lab scaling up small scale formulations to large scale formulations. Mm-hmm. That was our job. We both, had like I have a chemical engineering degree so in order to do this like we had the good like biology chemistry science background that we could be successful with it now financially that doesn't mean it was a good decision <laughs> so like I said after the first like month I was like I don't know if this is going to work out you know um, but we had the room to do it and like the difference between a 10 barrel system and a 20 barrel system is not twice as much sure so, and actually, you know, in, in our investigation and, and meeting other brewers and talking with other folks, there was a, actually, there, we, uh, we went up to see Good Nature Brewery. I remember this. They're in Hamilton, New York, and they had grown really fast. They started in a two and went to a seven and then went to like a 15. And I remember those guys telling us, like, buy the biggest system you can afford. And we walked away from that saying, well, this is the biggest system we can afford. Let's see what happens. So sure. we basically invested in success. But you're right. I mean, it could have gone south. We could have. You know, if we had a few more months like that first month, it maybe wouldn't have worked. And who knows? Maybe we would have closed early. Who knows? It was a risk, but um, that risk paid off because we didn't have to, like, knock down our brewery and start all over. The, the other thing I want to say is when we built the brewery, we we tried to build it for, like, long term. We weren't planning for, like, what we would do in the next year. We're like, let's try to make sure we have the room to grow. So we were planning for success for sure, mm-hmm. you know. That's do you have awesome. the largest barrel system in Buffalo now? With Let's 60 60 barrels now? So, uh, well, we have a 20-barrel brewery and a 40-barrel brewery, right. right? So two different systems. What does Flying Bison have? Because there's this Gigunda. So is Resurgence. I I would think that either Thin Man or Resurgence are close to us. I know 12 Gates has a 30-barrel. I feel like Resurgence might have a 30 or 35, but I don't know what Rudy has over a Thin Man if he's... Like, and I think he has like a three vessel or four vessel system. So I think he's probably capable of making a lot more beer than we are um, in terms of the, the brewing system sure. he has. But I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if he has a 40 barrel or not. That's wild though. That, that's a lot of beer. That's yep. a lot of fluids <laughs> just going everywhere. There's so oh, yeah. much cleaning involved in that. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of hay burner. There's <laughs> a lot of hay burner. <laughs> it's a lot of hay burner. <laughs> yep. That's that's. I mean, that's when I used to do brewery tours downstairs. I'd be like, this whole thing is filled with hay burner, and this this will last like a week. You know, I mean, that's insane. You know? do, do you ever get not mad, but like, guys, try something else. Like, do you ever get like that? Oh come on, of course he does. Well, he's drinking it right now, so I don't know if he really. I drink a day burner. Oh, day burner. I'm, I'm stepping it down a little bit for the uh, for the interview. This is an interview beer. You know, this is a post interview beer. They don't have a hay burner, but uh, like, I'm not gonna say mad. But, you know, craft beer has evolved a lot. Yeah. I think that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there's a lot of IPAs, right? And I, I think there are times, look, I, I got I appreciated craft beer because of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I like being able to walk in a brewery and try 10 different things and, you know, learning about Belgian beers or sours or lagers, whatever it is. And I think some of that has gotten a little lost over time where people are really stuck on just a few styles and i do wish that 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 folks would you know venture out a little bit and try some other stuff we've tried to think of like what's the second best beer behind hayburner 
that could, you know, even be a nice compliment to Hayburner, but there's nothing like it. We're never going to come up with anything um, that's going to do better for us than Hayburner. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I, but I can't be mad at that. You right, know, people yeah. want what they want, and I'm really glad they love it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm humbled by how much they love it. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not going to be mad about that. So when you bring out new beers, do you announce it on social media? Like what is, what is your, I guess, marketing process now? Right. It depends what it is. So like we've averaged something like, well, for the first several years, we averaged a, a new beer every two weeks. And then we stepped that up a lot during um, COVID and the mm-hmm. shutdown because we had time and we're like, there's no restaurant and we weren't selling beer to restaurants. So we have time to do new things. So, and people wanted like anything new at that mm-hmm. time. Anything new was good when you were stuck at home, you know, <laughs> yeah. for months and months. So then we stepped it up a little bit. So it's maybe like every week and a half we do something new right now. Um, and we're still trying to ramp that up. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's social media, but it, it you know, it depends what it is. We've, um, you know, done a little more than that when uh, it necessitates. So sure. for instance, like this isn't really a new beer, but we started putting Hayburner in 12 packs. Um, once we opened this new beer, the first thing we did was like Hayburner 12 packs. People have been asking us for this for years. Um, so that we did like a billboard, a little more advertising, you know, around that. Um, you know, some bigger display programs and that sort of thing. But, you know, mostly it's social media. We don't do a lot of advertising. We're more fans of, I'd say, public relations, sure. which is like getting out there and like putting it in your face, you know, give it a try and see what you think. So why did you stick with 12-ounce cans and not go to 16-ounce? Because it seems like 16-ounces, I'm not agreeing with it, but 16-ounces is the new craze. Yep. I mean, it's not really even new. I mean, I th- so I mean, sixteen ounce cans have a pretty long history. But I think when Hetty Topper was in sixteen ounce cans, then mm. people started to really like embrace IPAs and cans. Um, it was really because of sales. Like, I, th- I think sixteen ounce cans are for the craft beer enthusiasts. They know that cool new craft beers are in sixteen ounce cans, but. We've never tried to exclude just regular beer drinkers who want to experiment with craft. And this, and a 12-ounce can is a little more, you get a little more for your money, mm-hmm. a little more affordable, and not as just specialty as a 16-ounce can. You get six of them. You know, do the math there. Okay, I'd rather have six and four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of why we tried that. It was definitely something we thought a lot about. Um, but again, I think it was the right decision because, like I said, that Hayburner's become the most popular beer in Western New York. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a lot easier to ship too, right? The, the like palletization, LTL, freight, like every, everything. I, I mean, shipments, uh, because you, you take the the four packs or the six packs and you put them in trays and you palletize those trays. So it's shipping wise, not too, too much. Okay. A little bit, but it's a lot easier to like stack them and display them. So, um, you know, if you have your, your, um, 16 ounce four pack and the little pack tech rings they go to the store they all got to be oriented the right way mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing it's hard to stack them um, we put ours in little boxes they make great little display packages they're easy to carry and walk out with um, they look good from every angle um, and that was one of the things that you know made us want to do that is like it, this is going to look good like that yeah know? sure so, and that that helped i think so you started the new production facility. Is there is there ever any thought of starting a new tasting room in like Rochester or Syracuse or anything like that or no? Um, there's definitely a thought. Yeah. Yes. Um, we, uh, this was the first most necessary step that we spent sort of years trying to figure out because the brewery capacity was such an issue for us. You know, there were things we just couldn't do or markets we couldn't mm-hmm. satisfy because of that. Um, 
So now that we've got that done, yeah, we're already sort of thinking, well, what's next? And we've got some ideas. I'd, uh, you know, I, I think there are definitely some places I wouldn't mind bringing our taproom experience to that we, you know, you know, we sell a lot of beer in already. So sure. uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that happens. But, yeah. you know, a few steps between there and here, but it's, it's definitely been talked about. Absolutely. So where can people follow your progress on social media? Uh, yeah, social media. I mean, we're on, you know, all the big social media programs. We're on um, Facebook, um, Twitter, at Big Ditch Brewing, Instagram, at Big Ditch Brewing. Um, for our website, www.bigditchbrewing.com. Um, and pretty much we're going to say whatever we got to say and somewhere <laughs> between all those uh, those platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. Your your beer is fantastic. If you haven't come by, at least try Hayburner. You have to. But try something else, please, because all of that other stuff's delicious. I was drinking an Oktoberfest. You were drinking a coffee stout. Crushed and it. Matt was drinking the Dayburner. So is that just like a play on Hayburner? Yeah, I mean, Hayburner, so the one knock on Hayburner, a little bit of a knock on Hayburner. Well, it's, it's you know. Whether the high VV is a good thing or a bad thing, you could probably argue over. But like, <laughs> yeah. you don't always want to drink again a full six pack of seven point two percent IPAs. So we're like, well, why don't we do something a little lighter that has all a great hoppy flavor, but you know, not as strong. So day burner is four point nine percent, and per, you know, I'm going on forty seven years old actually. So I've been drinking you know seven percent IPAs to get a little beyond me too. So I'll drink a lot more day burners and I'll drink hay burners actually. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really yeah, appreciate thank you it. You guys appreciate you having me. It's been awesome. For sure. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Cheers. Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.